Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, I am so glad you're here today. I am very excited about our guest on today's episode. Ashley Lynn with Small Batches here to tell us all about what makes their food so unique. Uh, We recommend and sell a lot of Small Batch at my store, Bark Avenue. And I think uh, by the end of today's episode, you're going to see why this is such a standout food. Welcome, Ashley. I'm so glad you're joining us today. Thank you, Tammy, for having me. Absolutely. So I want to just start out a little, um, a bit of having you tell us a little bit about Small Batch, how the company was started, and just kind of what what inspired it. Absolutely. Um, so we were, um, we have been around since 2004. Um, we were started by um, David and Michael Vogel, and um, Diana Vogel is uh, David's wife. So those three family members um, are our owners and founders um, still to this day. So um, 17 years of, of family ownership. Um, at, the, at the time, um, David and D- Diana were living um, in the Mission District in San Francisco. And um, David had a vision of um, feeding his animals in accordance um, with the concept of the slow food movement. Um, and what the slow food movement means is, um, you know, you're sourcing from your backyard close to home um, ingredients that are grown locally, um, you know, which means therefore you have, you know, visibility into a way that uh, the food is being um, grown, raised, you know, how the animals are being treated, the environment that they're living in. Um, you know, you're supporting local businesses, um, you're, you know, eliminating uh, the transportation costs of sourcing from farther away, um, sort of all of those elements. Um, and so he wanted to find a way um, to feed his animals uh, in that same uh, in that same concept. So that was how Small Batch was born. Um, so literally, you know, David and Diana, they started um, making uh, raw pet food in their own kitchen um, in their tiny little apartment wow. uh, in the Mission District. Yeah. Um, you know, having having raw materials delivered uh, uh, to their apartment. Um, you know, I, I believe I've heard stories of a of a meat grinder in the bathtub um, oh to gosh. start formulating these foods. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, it was a small family operation. Um, and what they did is they just started delivering it locally um, in the uh, in the San Francisco area, um, and then you know gradually things began to grow. Um, they started expanding um, into retail stores, um, and then eventually into distribution um, in 2011. Um, and then the company continued um, to grow from there. And um, actually, as of this year, 2021, we're really excited that um, we will be available countrywide uh, for the first time after wow. after 17 years. Um, and you know it's. One of the many things that I find so unique about Small Batch um, is after all of this time, how, how small um, we have stayed. You know, the, the Vogels, um, David and Michael and Diana, they, you know, they keep the overhead so low um, so that, you know, in the end, all of our resources go into, um, into producing the most superior quality um, of food. There are, there are now 14 of us um, in the company after 17 years, uh, wow. which I think is just such, such a testament to their commitment um, to the business model and um, and the quality of the product. Nice. I love that story. Um, 
Can't imagine a meat grinder in my bathtub, though. That's that's commitment. Wow. I know. Goodness. Um, one of the things I really love about your company is the commitment to using humanely raised meats. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that process. Absolutely. And this is this is something, you know, we we say if you are going to remember, um, if anything's going to kind of stick with you about small batch, this is going to be the very first principle. Um, will be our humanely raised um, and harvested meats. Um, David, who also um, is the brother who does um, <clears throat> all of our sourcing, he maintains the relationships with our farmers um, and such. He believes that the way that you and I treat our companion animals with love and respect and just making sure that they are living their best life possible, he believes that the animals that we source uh, deserve that exact same respect. Um, so this is, again, you know, after 17 years, not a concept that David has ever once been willing um, to compromise on. So when we say humanely raised and harvested meat, the first first and foremost, we are talking about no factory farmed meat ever. Um, those larger factory farms, obviously, um, the quality of life for the animals um, is very, very low. Um, you know, the impact, the, the emissions that, that come out of those larger um, farms is, is pretty horrendous. Um, you know, what the impact that those have on the environment. Um, so, we are talking, you know, no added hormones, obviously, no antibiotics. Um, all of our red meats are going to be pastured um, and grass-fed. Uh, the poultry and rabbit are going to be free-range. Um, and so when we talk about humanely raised and harvested, um, there's sort of a few different facets that go into it. So the first thing, obviously, when it comes from an ethical standpoint, you know, as I said, making sure that those animals are living their best life possible, that that's first and foremost. Um, so when we talk about that, we are, you know, referring to animals living outdoors in the sunshine, um, socializing, having their babies outdoors, living the way that they were biologically programmed to live. So for, um, from an ethical standpoint, that's first and foremost, um, the most important thing. Now, there are a couple of other facets um, that sort of play into that as well. So when you have an animal that is living a biologically appropriate life um, and being fed a biologically appropriate diet, as opposed to a conventional diet on a factory farm, um, that healthier animal is also going to translate to a much healthier product. Um, so, you know, one, one example that we always like to use um, is going to be their omega-3 to omega-6 ratios that are going to come out of meat. So an animal that is raised conventionally on a conventional um, diet that is not biologically appropriate, they, um, their ratios are going to be very, very high in omega-6 and very deficient in omega-3 which is why omega-3s are a very common, um, for both us and um, our companion animals, a very common supplement, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's something that, we, um, that we're essentially missing uh, from, from meat that has, not been, um, that has not been biologically appropriately raised. So that's a big one. Um, also, you know, an animal that's living in a healthy environment, um, we are talking about uh, reduced bacterial um, and E. coli concerns, um, you know, things like that, because of course they're living a clean, healthy lifestyle, right? Um, so, you know, the care and consideration, um, and the respect that goes into how our animals are raised is again, translating to a healthier nutrient profile, um, in the meat. If you, you know, it's not, it's not a very pleasant, um, situation to think about, but the end of life process, um, for an animal that is living, um, on a factory farm, that can be an extremely traumatic process, right? Mm. So, um, if you think about the hormones, the, the cortisol, the adrenaline, everything that's going to be pumping um, through that animal's body at the end of life, 
uh, that's going to translate into the food that we're feeding our pets as well. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about because companies can post um, you know, on, on packaging in, in the human world and the pet food world all day long, no added hormones or antibiotics, but what about those natural hormones, you know, that could be occurring um, at the end of life uh, there right. just naturally. So that's something else to think about. And then the final kind of sort of facet of, um, of the humanely raised and harvested principle um, is our, is the impact on the, on the planet and on the environment. And that's something that we are equally as committed to, um, at small batch. So going back to, you know, no feedlots, um, that, that put out those, um, you know, those high emissions and such. So we focus, um, on small farms, um, and partners that are equally, um, focused on sustainability, um, and land stewardship, um, just the same way that we are. That is, that is amazing because if you think about, you know, how many, how much meat humans consume that's factory farmed, and we, I mean, we're even taking it a step further. I mean, these are our, our animals that we love, that we treat like kids. They're a lot of times eating better meat than, than we are. So I just think that is, that is such a testament to um, just some of the practices that you guys have committed to, because it's so true. People don't realize, and even like what you said, even, even though they could say antibiotic-free or grass-fed, um, yeah, that end of life process, I, it's just tragic and what they go through and the fact that you guys are, are so committed to the humanely raised is, um, it, it just speaks volumes about the company. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about, uh, the parts of the meat that you use along with the parts that you don't use. Yes. Both of those are equally, equally as important, um, in our industry, especially. So, um, what we do use, um, we operate on the whole prey model. Um, so that means that we are using muscle meat, um, organ meat, and meaty bones. Um, so our, the approximate ratios um, of our diets are going to be um, about 80% muscle meat, um, 10% organ, and 10% bone. So um, when possible, we are going to be utilizing um, the entire animal, uh, minus the fur and the feathers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when uh, when that's not possible, we are going to be just using um, whole muscle cuts like organs, meaty bones, um, chicken frames, beef ribs, um, all of those parts that have the really healthy um, pieces of meat on them. Um, and then it is important to note too that all the meats we source um, are fit uh, for human consumption. Um, and you know why this is so important. Organs are so so tremendously nutrient rich. Um, that's where we're getting you know, the majority um, of the natural, naturally occurring nutrients um, from raw food. Um, you know, bones are essential because they provide, um, you know, trace minerals such as calcium. Um, and then, you know, the whole muscle cuts that we use, um, everything's going to be very, um, you know, full of high quality and very easily digestible protein, um, which, you know, when we talk about easily digestible, we're also talking about going back to that, you know, phrase biologically appropriate, right? That it's not processed. It is what the animal, um, one is, you know, programmed our, our dogs and our cats, our companion animals, what they are biologically pro- programmed to be able to digest, um, and absorb rather than, um, rather than anything synthetic and artificial. So that is sort of the rundown on what we do use, um, equally as important as we said, um, what we don't use. So we are not going to be using, um, any byproducts, um, any, any inedible, um, sort of, uh, leftover leftover parts, um, you know, from uh, from any meat processing processing facilities. Um, the 
the most important ingredient that we like to discuss um, is going to be mechanically separated meat. Um, mechanically separated meat is something that we will never put in our food um, for several reasons. Um, it is essentially essentially what it is um, is a they when a when a carcass has had all of the most desirable parts harvested from it. Um, that all those leftover parts from the carcass that weren't used, those can either be thrown away um, or they can be ground up um, into a byproduct um, labeled um, as meat um, on a pet food ingredient panel. Um, and it could be mechanically separated. It could be muscle. It could be organ. You just don't know. Um, and that's unfortunately a very, a very um, dirty secret of, of the pet food industry. In the human food world, if you are utilizing mechanically separated meat um, in a human food, it has to be labeled as such on the packaging. Um, so, you know, one very easy example that we always use is going to be a Slim Jim. Uh, you go to the gas station, you purchase a Slim Jim. The first ingredient, you know, will be whatever meat it is. And then parentheses, mechanically separated. Whereas in the human, yeah. And in the human food world, um, it doesn't, it, it can just, I'm sorry, in the, in the pet food world, it can just say meat. And uh, or chicken, and you don't know, you know, mm. which parts that you're getting. So it's, you know, it goes. We could go down that rabbit hole all day long, but it really goes into the importance of um, of of knowing, you know, where what the ingredients are, where they come from, and and also what parts of the animal are being used. So uh, back to what mechanically separated meat is. Is you know they're they're taking all of the leftover parts from um, from that carcass. And it goes into a large machine, um, just a big piece of metal uh, machinery equipment, um, and it just gets ground up um, together and kind of comes out as a as a, a red meat uh, slurry, essentially, as you it will. It sounds or, like or, something equivalent to pink <coughs> slime. Am I exactly? Thank you. That's, okay, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's the pink slime. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, McDonald's chicken nuggets are another good one. You know, it's it's that process. Um, you know, hot dogs, all all of that. It's the, the yes, the pink Ugh. slime. Yeah. Um, so several reasons why we don't want this anywhere near our food. Um, one, as I said, it's an entirely separate process with separate equipment, which equates to extra surface contact and therefore the opportunity for um, additional bacterial colonization. Um, we at Small Batch, we do not HPP any of our food. So any opportunity for additional bacteria is simply not something that we can have anywhere near our product. Um, you know, when we're talking about raw food in general, it's not something that you want, but especially because of the fact that we do not use um, high pressure pasteurization. Um, it's just not something um, that we can do. And so the other thing about mechanically separated meat um, is going to be its fat content. Um, it's going to be very, very high in fat. It's not the good kind of fat that we want, um, but high in fat because it is all of those leftover pieces and parts. Um, and so very, very high um, in, in fact, it's also going to be very nutritionally inconsistent, right? Because all of those leftover parts, that's just sort of a mishmash. Um, and we don't know essentially what we're getting. So all of these things uh, sort of equate to, you know, a, just a product that, that we do not want in our food. And David and you know, the Vogels are so committed to not, to not using um, this product. It is, it's obviously very inexpensive um, and very simple and very easy for other um, you know, other products to utilize it and not have to disclose it. So it's, it's something that we're pretty passionate in. And, you know, we really encourage folks to ask the question, um, you know, when they are looking um, at which foods they, you know, they, they want to feed to their animals and, and just sort of bring some light to this um, as, a, as a concept. And, you know, you mentioned a point that I just want to make here, and it is kind of sad because at least in the human 
industry, they are required to put on the label yeah. uh, mechanically yeah. separated. And there is so much, and we could go on for days about labeling um, pet food, yeah. <laughs> but people just have no idea. And so I love that you're, um, you guys are transparent with kind of explaining that process and helping people understand it and, and really committed to the quality. So yeah. Oh my goodness. So I, I want to talk a little bit about um, something I find so fascinating and I love it is that you guys only use hundred percent organic produce in your products. And so I just kind of wanted you to talk about that process and maybe how that differs from a lot of what other companies may be using. We're using, um, when we're talking about our produce, um, we are talking about um, 100% certified organic produce. Um, we work with a beautiful um, produce co-op on the West Coast. Um, so it's local farmers all up and down, um, pretty much from California um, all the way up to uh, from to Washington. So, you know, of course, going back to the, the idea of the slow food movement um, as a company that is produced um, on the West Coast. Um, we are sourcing from all of our farms out there. Um, equally as important to us um, as as organic um, is also going to be um, non-GMO and pesticide free. Um, that you know, as the acceptable levels of um, of um, pesticides that can test on um, on the produce that you and I buy at the grocery store. Um, the numbers are very alarmingly high. Um, you know, because they hope that we're going to take it home and wash it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so um, very, very important to us in that regard. Um, the other really important thing about our produce um, is we're not using any seconds. Um, so seconds are going to be um, leftover parts, industry leftovers, um, such as, you know, beet pulp is a very, very common one. Um, another interesting example is um, baby carrots. So if, if you and I were to go to the grocery store and purchase one of those little bags of prepackaged baby carrots, right? Those carrots did not grow that way, um, as cute and fun as that would be. You know, they were they were whole carrots at one point, and then they had to be handled, cut up, um, you know, packaged and sent off. And then there are those leftover pieces um, that were that were not sent off. And those can either be thrown away or, um, you know, they can be utilized in, um, in pet food labeled going back, you know, to the labeling concept, mm -hmm. they can be labeled as carrots. Um, and again, we're talking about a nutritionally inconsistent product. Um, again, more handling surface contact, the opportunity for additional bacterial col colonization with all of that handling and processing. Um, so it's extremely important to us that we are only using whole, beautiful produce. Nice. Again, I mean, a lot of this is even, um, you know, better produce than what a lot of people <laughs> are consuming. Yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it's so unfortunate. Um, tell us a little bit about, I love that you don't use synthetic vitamins. A lot of uh, pet food companies put in a, a vitamin pack to make it, you know, complete and balanced. And you guys have opted to use only whole food sources. Um, tell us a little bit about that and why it's so important. Yes. Yeah, so we are not using any synthetic vitamins or minerals. Um, as you said, so many companies um, will add a synthetic vitamin pack um, in order to make the diet um, complete and balanced. Um, so rather than using that synthetic vitamin pack, um, we are just deriving all of our, <clears throat> all of our vitamins and minerals um, from whole food sources. Um, so this is important for a few reasons. You know, one, whole foods are obviously going to be far more bioavailable um, than anything synthetic, right? Same for you and I. Um, any anything artificial is not as recognizable to the body, um, and therefore you're not going to be 
you know, absorbing and maximizing um, the benefits uh, from something synthetic versus um, versus whole foods. Um, synthetic vitamin packs are also, you know, they're a little bit scary because you can run the risk um, of overdosing. There have been, you know, unfortunately, some some pretty tragic cases um, of that in our industry. Um, and also, you know, the origin of um, of some of these synthetic vitamin packs, um, it's um, it's not good, yeah. as, you know, um, as we know, um, especially anything, you know, coming from China and the <clears throat> lack of regulations um, behind those. So every ingredient that we are utilizing serves a purpose in our food. And, you know, I think that, that the pet food consumer has gotten so accustomed and just almost numb to seeing, you know, that, that long, that, that big paragraph of long, unrecognizable words at the end of every pet food ingredient panel. Very and true. it's simply doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's so much fun to, you know, to, to share one of our packages, you know, with a new consumer, especially, and, you know, show them the ingredient deck and, and just invite them to find a word that they don't recognize or can't pronounce and probably wouldn't buy, you know, for themselves or their family um, and put on their own dinner table um, at home. So it's, it's really special and, um, and obviously, you know, a lot, a lot healthier <laughs> as yeah. well, just, you know, having, having these um, very bioavailable, um, beautiful whole food um, nutrients. And, and the other really incredible thing too, is you can see it in our food. You know, you look at, at a patty and we always, we joke at small batch that we never thought we would describe meat as beautiful, but we, you know, we look at our finished product all the time and we're just like, this is so pretty. You can see, you know, the little yeah. chunks of, of bil- bilberry or kale or, you know, dan- like all the beautiful um, all the beautiful things that that we put in there. So yeah, That's something awesome. that we're that we're very proud of. Yeah, the things that we get excited about. I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, as far as um, you mentioned, kind of in the beginning, that you like to try to source as locally as possible. And I just I wanted you to talk a little bit about your sourcing and um, how you go about it, and what is it that makes all that so important in the process. Yeah. So as I said, you know, David, <clears throat> David is, um, is, um, the one who main, um, who does our sourcing, um, most importantly, you know, maintains the relationships with the farmers, um, that we source from. So being a company that is made, um, on the West coast, we are now produced, um, actually out of two facilities in California, one up in Northern California, one in Southern, um, we've always been produced on the West coast. Um, it was Oregon up until, um, just a couple of years ago, and then the Vogels um, made the decision to um, to transition down to um, new facilities in California, but still um, on the West Coast. So, in um, in the spirit of David's vision um, of of um, sourcing in accordance with the slow food movement, um, we are going to be sourcing everything as close to home um, as possible. So, <clears throat> all of our primary meat um, and the produce suppliers, everybody is going to be. Um, in the United States, um, and not only in the United States, but um, also almost everything um, on the West Coast. Um, all of our herbs um, and supplemental ingredients um, are all going to come from small companies on the West Coast. Uh, the one exception to that will be our kelp, um, and our kelp is sourced out of Iceland, uh, which is a, a nice, nice, happy place to have your kelp um, mm-hmm. coming from. So when we're talking about, you know, keeping it as local as possible, um, it's wonderful. One, it's great for the products, right? Um Again, going back to, you know, having the visibility, um, you know, David, um, you know, is local and, you know, can can have eyes and ears and, you know, like I, you know, like I said, maintain the relationships with those farmers. Um, we're also talking about um, a process um, that's very sustainable and uh, has a much smaller um, impact on the environment because, you know, the farther away that you source, 
Um, there's more transportation involved, therefore more emissions. Um, and you're not supporting small locally owned farmers or businesses. And with us being a small family owned company, it's extremely important to us um, from that regard as well um, to be supporting farms um, that have the same vision um, uh, as we do. That's awesome. And again, I love that you have the um, environment in mind. I think that's uh, super good. Um, So kind of give us an idea of a little bit about all the different products that you carry. Yeah. Um, So we have a complete line of uh, complete and balanced um, diets for both dogs and cats. Um, So our dog diets are going to be available um, in seven proteins. We source chicken, beef, turkey, duck, lamb, rabbit, and pork. Um, Those items are going to be available in three pound, six pound, and um, 18 pound uh, boxes. I'm sorry, the boxes are 18 pounds, um, three pound and 18, uh, three pound and six pound bags. Um, And so those are all going to be complete and balanced. Um, And we say, when we say complete and balanced, that goes back to, um, uh, rather than using that vitamin pack, um, all the vitamins and minerals that we're coming, um, that we're getting deriving from whole food um, sources. All of those diets do have a salmon oil um, included in them as well. Our cat, we do have a complete line of um, cat diets as well. So these are all going to be um, complete and balanced for cats as well. All of those same seven proteins, chicken, beef, turkey, duck, lamb, pork, and rabbit. Um, our cat diets are going to be between 97 and 98% meat. Um, you know, what we know about cats, um, those guys are obligate carnivores. Um, they do not need all of the fillers, um, anything, um, you know, artificial um, or, uh, you know, all, any of the fillers that go into so many commercial um, cat foods, they just mm-hmm. need, uh, they just need their meat. Um, so uh, the small amount of uh, produce that we are going to include um, in our cat diets, um, it's just going to be dandelion greens, kelp, uh, barley grass, um, and some cranberries, um, which is beneficial, you know, for their, um, for their urinary systems. Yeah. And it is very palatable. We have a lot of cats on it because <clears throat> as we know, cats can be very fussy, um, about what they like. So, uh, yeah, we do, we do have quite a few cats on them. They are, cats are the pickiest customers. Um, they are, they are finicky, finicky little guys or mm-hmm. girls. Um, and, you know, just a fun, a fun anecdote that's um, sometimes very surprising is our chicken cat sliders um, are the number one best-selling um, item of anything that we make at Small Batch. Um, Interesting. So, oh my yeah. Goodness, I never guessed that. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. It's, um, I, I believe, I, I mean, my cat, he's, you know, right here, uh, finicky and, but, um, you know, I think it's a combination of uh, consistency um, obviously palatability, um, and you know, the, the high, the high meat content, you know, mm-hmm. everything works just happens to work. So it's, uh, yeah. And for right now, our cat diets, um, are available in the, uh, three pound bags, which are going to contain, um, the one ounce sliders, which are sort of the, um, little, little mini hockey pucks, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, so as far as the rest of our product lineup goes, um, we do have, um, a line of, blends. So these are available in two pound and five pound um, chub blends. So these are just going to be comprised of meat, bones, and organs. Um, So not technically a complete and balanced diet. Um, These blends are, they're fantastic um, for a little bit more of the do-it-yourself raw feeder. Um, You know, they, they do need to be balanced out a little bit for a dog. Essentially, 
missing um, some trace vitamins and minerals in a fat source. So it really gives you, you know, the pet parent, the freedom to really customize and dial in um, a diet for your dog. Um, these are also fantastic for, for cats, you know, going back to cats, obligate carnivores, um, you know, a, a, a product that is just meat, bones, and organs, um, very, you know, readily um, available to be fed for a cat. So fantastic for, you know, for families that are feeding raw to both dogs and cats. Um, you know, you saw customized for the dog. Um, and then, you know, these, these can be, you can supplement, um, you know, with other ingredients for a cat, but they are also um, great to feed a standalone um, for those guys as well. Um, well and I will are- tell you, we have a lot of dogs um, with a, a lot of, I don't know if you want to call them allergies, <laughs> sensitivities, whatever you want to say. And so they need a very, very limited ingredient diet. And so we do sell quite a bit of your chubs because they are so limited ingredient. Excellent. Yep. That's, and that's, that's a perfect point as well um, for dogs with allergies who you just have to narrow it down um, to, and, you know, to just use a high quality protein source and then, you know, add in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. And those are available um, in two pound. And then we do have the five pound sizes as well that come in beef, chicken, and turkey. The nice thing about the blends too, I'm sure as you know, Tammy, are um, the very affordable way to feed, um, yes. to feed raw food. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, and then as far as the rest of our product lineup goes, we do have a line of lightly cooked food as well. Um, and you know, the lightly cooked category in general, um, is, is definitely growing, you know, in the, uh, in the pet food industry right now. Um, so our lightly cooked is, um, it's going to be the exact same formulation, um, as our traditional raw diets. Um, and then we just, we cook them sous vide style, uh, which just means that the meat is submerged in a water bath, um, the, the water the temperature of the water um, is gradually raised um, to a pasteurization point um, that uh, between 150 and 155 degrees. Um, it sits there just long enough um, to be considered a kill step, pasteurization step, um, but not too long that we're zapping, you know, all of the nutrients and all of the um, all of the healthy things that we want to keep um, in the food. So a few a few things about uh, the lightly cooked category. One, you know, I think we, you know, there, there's, there's always going to be, um, you know, a little bit of fear behind, behind feeding raw food, um, you know, for, for a customer that is wary for a number of reasons. Um, and there are, there are several, you know, very valid reasons out there. So if for, for whatever reason, um, raw food is not the, the right answer for either the animal or the humans in the household, um, the lightly cooked um, line is, you know, you have almost the, ident- the same um, identical ingredient deck to, um, to raw food, but you do have a little bit of peace of mind, um, with that, with the, um, with the pasteurization step. So, well, and I think um, the other thing that's important to note here too, is that, you know, some people are cooking their own food at home mm-hmm. and what they don't sometimes realize is that, you know, they may just be doing chicken and rice or ground beef or ground Turkey, but there are a lot of essential vitamins and minerals missing. And so when you have something that is our, you know, it's kind of like a home cooked diet, but it's complete and balanced. That's a perfect, yes, perfect way, perfect way to, um, to describe it. Yeah. Um, and you know, the palatability factor, um, with the lightly cooked food, this is something that we're finding is the product is really, really wonderful for picky eaters. Um, so if you think about, you know, taco night at home, when you cook meat and herbs and how aromatic your home becomes, um, and therefore how palatable. 
um, that food is going to be. So for really, really picky dogs, um, the lightly cooked product um, is incredible. And, you know, equally as so, you know, for dogs with sensitive stomachs who maybe they've gotten older and and digesting raw food is more difficult, or, you know, maybe it's just a dog that has a sensitive stomach in general, um, the lightly cooked food is going to be a little bit gentler um, on their tummies as well. Um, and the final thing about lightly cooked is, um, y- you know, it's an, a really, really excellent alternative to canned food. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, I think it, it's pretty common, you know, we've all used canned food um, for a little bit of added moisture, a little bit of added palatability, perhaps using it as a topper to kibble. Um, lightly cooked is a really nice substitution um, for canned food. You know, you're, you're eliminating, um, you know, the gums, the fillers, um, the preservatives that have to go um, into a canned food, you're eliminating, eliminating, um, you know, the use of the aluminum, um, and instead just have a nice fresh alternative um, that's very, um, you know, high in palatability uh, to, to mix in with kibble. And that one is only for dogs at this point, correct? Right now it is. Yes. Lightly cooked for cats. Um, it's in the pipeline. Uh, nice. We, we don't have a, la- a launch date yet, but yes, it will be, it will be coming eventually. Okay. What about, you've got some treats and things like that. I would, I would love for you to speak about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we do have a line of freeze dried diets and treats. So we have um, our uh, freeze dried for dogs is going to be the exact same formulation um, as our frozen raw um, diets, just a shelf stable option. So freeze dried is always, you know, having something shelf stable is fantastic, you know, for traveling, camping, um, freeze dried is al- always great for treats as well. You know, you can crumble it up, use it as a topper. Um, we always uh, uh, recommend um, or encourage folks to add um, a form of moisture to freeze dried. Um, if you are using it um, as a standalone diet, you can rehydrate it with water or goat's milk or broth. Um, the possibilities are, are sort of endless there. Uh, but the our complete and balanced diet, uh, freeze-dried diets for dogs are available um, in six proteins. So all the same proteins as um, our frozen raw with the exception of rabbit. So for, uh, freeze-dried sliders will be chicken, beef, turkey, duck, lamb, and pork. Um, those are available in 14-ounce bags and also 25-ounce bags will be available um, in the next couple of weeks, actually. Nice. So a larger, yeah, yeah, very exciting. Um, so a larger option, um, if folks do want to use them, um, as a, as a complete and balanced diet, you know, I know when I travel, um, with my dog, that's, that's all I do. And even if we're in a hotel room or, you know, if we're camping, all you need is some water and, um, you know, you can mix up a nice warm meal, uh, for your pup, um, on the go, which, which is very, very convenient. Um, those freeze dried, we don't currently make, um, a freeze dried diet for cats. Um, these freeze dried uh, sliders for dogs are completely fine for cats as well as treats or supplemental feeding. Um, it's just going to be that little bit lower um, protein content, the 87 um, to 88% meat rather than um, than the higher that that comes with uh, the cat diets. And I do want to mention here too about the freeze-dried. Sometimes for a picky dog or maybe they've stopped eating um, for whatever reason, I guess it's again, it's just like a condensed meat it's yep. so aromatic that dogs typically go after it. So even if they crumble it on their, you know, other food, they're trying to get them to eat or, you know, maybe they've been doing a frozen diet and they're stopped, you know, they stopped eating for whatever reason that it's just extremely palatable. Yes, you're, yes, it absolutely is. Um, and then as far as the rest of our freeze dried line, um, we have a line of freeze dried bites. 
Um, so these are going to be seven ounce bags that have um, little freeze dried morsels in them. So these are going to be a limited ingredient treat or topper for both dogs and cats. Um, so they're going to be 95% meat. So right there off the bat, very, very palatable. Um, these are available in four proteins, uh, chicken, turkey, beef, and duck. Um, all of them are going to have their own individual um, superfood inclusion. Uh, so the chicken has turmeric in it. Turkey has cranberry. The beef um, has papaya extract in it. And the duck um, has a mushroom complex in it. They all also have um, a fermented purple cabbage probiotic in them. Um, so a, um, a plant-based probiotic in them. Um, as well as several omega sources. Um, so those omega sources are going to be uh, hemp seed heart, um, MCT oil, and salmon oil. Nice. So these are, this is that product that I think we can all, no matter who we're feeding, if it's dogs, cats, uh, you know, treats, hoppers, um, this is that um, sort of, uh, you know, just kind of catch all product that is just, you know, packed with superfood. And, you know, very palatable and it's just, it, it's great, you know, for hiking, I, it just, all the things come in, um, in this, in this product. It, it might actually be my favorite thing, um, that, that we make at small batch. I know for my cat, especially I bring out, bring out the duck bites and he just becomes this like sort of slightly terrifying rabid <laughs> animal. Um, <laughs> and they have to be kept in a very high up cabinet in my house, um, that he can't access. Well, <laughs> and we have a treat jar that for anybody who brings their pet in, we give them a treat and they're perfect. Cause the way that they're kind of like little peas, the, you know, pea size, yeah. they're perfect yeah. for treats and, uh, dogs go absolutely crazy for those. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, they, they're, they're, they're a home run for sure. Love that. Love that product. And then we do have a line of freeze dried heart treats as well. Um, so this is going to just be a single ingredient treat, just uh, freeze dried heart. These are available in chicken, beef, turkey, uh, pork and lamb. Um, so the chicken hearts are going to be whole. Uh, and then the rest of those proteins, um, the hearts are going to be diced. Um, so you know, the heart muscle, as we know, is very, very rich in taurine. Uh, so if, you know, we're looking for a natural way to supplement um, with taurine, this is a fantastic way to do it. Um, these treats are also a home run for um, any animals with allergy. Uh, just being single ingredient, um, you know, we're eliminating uh, any possible, um, you know, allergy triggers there. Both are great for, um, for dogs and cats um, as well. So just sort of a, a nice um, sort of all around healthy um, uh, training treat or, you know, high reward treat for both dogs and cats. Yes. Another one that animals go absolutely berserk for. <laughs> they do. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So anything else that you would like to add as kind of we're closing up today, um, about small batch or anything, um, that you'd like to add? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Um, we really, you know, we encourage, you know, we are, we're really committed, um, you know, to, uh, to independent pet. And so, you know, if folks are interested in learning about small batch, um, our best resource, um, and our, our partners are, are, you, you know, people like you, um, and Bark Avenue. And, you know, so we just really encourage folks, um, to, to visit, you know, their local, um, their local pet food stores, um, you know, to, to learn about the benefits of raw feeding, and, um, and how it can improve, you know, their, their, their pets lives. Yes. And I do appreciate that as a, as a, a small business, independent pet store owner. 
Um, it is always nice to have those companies that recognize the role that we play and the educational component that we always put into our conversations or try to as much as possible with our customers. So, yes. Well, Ashley, this has been so informative, and I know that so many people are going to just grab several things from this, and um, I hope that they can see um, just kind of how important it is to follow some of the standards that you guys have put in place, um, especially because these are, these are our furry kids, you know, and they don't live long enough as it is. And so anything we can do to enhance their life, you know, is, is wonderful. So I appreciate your mission. I appreciate your time today. I think this was such great information. Thank you so much, Tammy. I I really enjoyed chatting with you. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.